0: Hello, I'm John Eldridge, and welcome to the Ransomed Heart audio podcast. For more information on Ransomed Heart Ministries, our resources, and events, please visit us online at www.ransomedheart.com. We're picking up with the second part of a conversation today on do people really change? What is a genuine, proved path to transformation. Does it work? Does it happen? How do we find it? And to get us going back into this, Craig, I want to ask you, do you feel like you are changing, getting better?
1: Yes, I am.
0: Say more. Where? How?
1: Yeah. The how involves pain, suffering, God disrupting my life in exposing my relational style, exposing my, my persistent looking for options other than God, my giving in to the lies of the enemy, and how I am quick, so quick to make agreements with him that when flushed and exposed, I'm quick to break. But it feels like I'm vulnerable to his lies. And so, how am I changing? I think there's a deepening awareness of who I am, what I have to offer, what's true, and a strengthened volition to choose to live in what's true and offer what's true and and be present and engaged in ways that I see um, bring fruit for his kingdom, in more specific ways, I mean, it boils down to loving others. I think I'm loving Lori better now than I did three years ago, ten years ago. Mm-hmm. I'm a better father. I think I'm choosing to be a better friend. Mm-hmm. And then in the hidden secret areas, I think I'm choosing less less wild lovers and less and less the distractions and the comfort that's offered apart from God.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep, I see it. I affirm it. I just wanted our listeners to hear it. You know, Revelation 12, they overcame the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. It's just good to hear people tell, look, it's available. It happens. I'm changing. It's real. God does transform human lives. He really does. And there is a way that transformation would not have been possible had you neglected the heart. That would be a huge one. And so you can just take all those systems, theologies, books, seminars, churches, programs that neglect the heart and say it's not going to go well. Whatever else they're offering, whether it's discipline or getting zapped by God or, you know, it's not going to work if you ignore the heart. Right. That's one thing. But – the same time, I know your life. I know the process by which you live. You're not ignoring the heart. You're looking to a desperate dependence upon God. So it's also not just about get your act together. Mm-hmm. Just get it together. Just stop it. You know, I know it's not that, right? I know at the same time, though, Craig, one of the categories that you operate in is a pretty healthy understanding of what sin is, mm-hmm. Right. Right. And so towards the back of Free to Live, which is the paperback version of the Utter Relief of Holiness, Chapter 10 is called Holiness in Stubborn Places. And it's actually a guided process of prayer by which we deal with some of those places where we are not finding transformation. Now, let me give a quick example of this, and I think she'll be okay that I'm using stays as an example, but this was, you know, this was last night. And I'd mentioned in the previous recording, I kind of had some keys from Jesus. She's been struggling. She's been in kind of a cloud, just low, not doing well. And Jesus gave the word judgment, judgment. And as soon as he said that, I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, my poor wife lives under a lot of judgment. Mm -hmm. And if you go back in her story a lot of wonderful things about her mom. Jane's now in heaven and rejoicing in that. But she was a fairly critical woman, very, very hard on herself Mm -hmm. and therefore very hard on her children. So growing up in a judgmental kind of atmosphere, you know, brokenness adding to that, wounds, and then the enemy was all over it. And I knew that if we didn't deal with all of that, the way these things, sin, brokenness, and strongholds, if you don't deal with All three, you don't get the breakthrough that you're looking for. And so I wanted to pray for her last night, but I was very aware as we were kind of talking and I was trying to kind of follow Christ in this that the linchpin was actually self-judgment and Mm. self-rejection, that we had to start there. And if you don't deal with your own kind of cooperation with these things, right – in other words, repentance. I mean, if you take repentance out of the equation and you just try and go after the warfare or the wounds, the hurt, the brokenness, you just don't see results. It doesn't quite work. And so there's a beautiful interplay to, you know, repenting of what is ours to repent of and then healing in the genuine wounds and brokenness and then the breaking of the strongholds, if you'll address all three, you can see results like you can get freedom. And we just had this beautiful time of prayer together where, you know, beginning with God, I I repent of self-rejection. I repent of self-judgment starting there. Mm -hmm. And then, oh my goodness, the hatred of the enemy. Of course that's operating and bringing the cross of Christ who was judged for us against the warfare component, including the judgments of other people, because people's sin against you gives the enemy claim against you, right? And so bringing the cross of Christ against judgments, but then... You know, yes, repentance, yes, deal with the enemy, but then there's also, Lord, come and heal, mm-hmm. come and love, come and minister to these places of just wounding in yes. us. You can't heal something that needs repentance, but repentance won't heal something that needs healing, right? Right. And you can't repent enough to get rid of the enemy, you have to deal with the enemy. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yes. E- each component requires its own attention and its own kind of addressing. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of the process that's laid out in free to live.
1: And in any stubborn place, John, all three are usually involved.
0: Uh, don't you see it? Yeah. Isn't it true? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So you, guys who are wrestling with sexual addictions and that's just you know so prevalent and – You've got all three you mm-hmm. know there's usually there's usually some story there, there's mm-hmm. some wounding quite often, the reach for sexual pleasure or pornography or whatever it is is a kind of medicating. Mm-hmm. so what's the wound? What are we trying to medicate? That's a piece, but also choices have been made mm-hmm. choices that need to be repented of, you know I mean you've got to kind of own what's yours. And so repentance. But then, of course, the enemy is all over it. Spirits of lust, seduction, pornography. And if you don't kick those guys out of your life, banish, bind, send them to judgment, they're just going to continue to harass you. And one of the most disheartening things – again, I'm thinking back. There's this brilliant scene again in Pilgrim's Progress. I referred to it last week in Vanity Fair. But there's this very, very powerful scene where Pilgrim is making his way through this dark valley and the enemy sneaks up behind him literally a demon sneaks up behind him in the book and begins to whisper things in his ears which just dismay his heart mm-hmm. confuse confound dismay him because he thinks it's his own thoughts yes so here's the thing until you get rid of these foul spirits of lust pornography affair adultery whatever it is they're going to make you quote feel Like You want that. They're going to put ideas and feelings into your experience that if you don't understand, no, 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 this is the warfare component. I have repented. Now I'm bringing the work of Christ against these guys. You know, you just spin your wheels in this. So do you see what I'm describing?
1: Oh, yeah. And in fact, going back to the question we asked last week, one of the questions is, are people getting better? And what's the obstruction to that? Another component to that answer is simply we're not trained or aware to deal with all three, mm-hmm, sin, mm-hmm. brokenness, and strongholds. We as people or we as a community usually have our focus on one. right? And it takes all three.
0: Right. So, for example, sin as a category. Okay, we think we understand it. Like, oh, yeah, sin, mm-hmm. like everybody hears, you know, in the church about sin. But actually, we don't, because normally what sin is described in the church is behavior,
1: right.
0: right? Don't get drunk. Don't sleep around. Don't cheat on your income tax, you know, that kind of thing. I wish it? you hadn't brought that one up. <laughs> Sorry, but <buddy. laughs> but it's very behavioral, and that won't help you with repentance. Yeah. That won't. The Scriptures describe sin as an issue of the heart, an issue of the internal world. It's an issue of motive. It's an issue of where we go for life apart Mm -hmm. from God. And I think until we have a healthy appreciation for our capacity for idolatry, Mm -hmm. to turn to things for security or significance, for comfort, that have absolutely nothing to do with God. Mm -hmm. We are idol factories. I mean, we turn them out faster than you can surf the internet. So... Sin is a category. We think we understand it, but it's actually much deeper. It's choices. They're internal things before they are expressed externally. Those little decisions to indulge resentment. Mm -hmm. Those little internal decisions to kind of have the second look at your secretary. Those small internal decisions are where powerful repentance can take place. That's powerful stuff, right?
1: Yeah. Ultimately, sin expresses itself in some relational way. My inability to love, forgive my enemies, my inability to be patient, kind with my wife or my children or my friends are all idiot-like saying there's some Mm deep-rooted sin I need to deal with.
0: Yeah, and almost all of it has something to do with self-preservation, Yes, rescuing yourself instead of God rescuing you. And so – You know, the woman who hates her vulnerability becomes hard, and I don't need anyone. And the man who fears that he has nothing to offer goes passive, right? And they're self-protective styles. You know, they're as infinitely diverse as people can create fig leaves. But to repent on that level, oh, my goodness, is deep, profound, meaningful, opens the doors for phenomenal change, If you also include with it the other two, when we use the word brokenness, what we are referring to is not sin, Mm -hmm. not sin, but what has happened to your heart and soul because you live in a broken world. Mm -hmm. You live in a heinous world. You live in a world that isn't anything close to the world that your heart was designed for. And so wounds aren't sin brokenness inside of us, you know, the sexual abuse, the trauma, the abandonment, the isolation, living under, you know, critical household verbal abuse. My goodness, all kinds of brokenness. That doesn't require repentance. Right. That requires healing. Right? Isaiah 61, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. And set the captive free. And if you try and discipline yourself through your brokenness, it never works. It never works. And one of the beautiful things about brokenness is that you can't repent your way out of it. It drives us to God.
1: Yeah. If you still think that volition and repentance are the answer, there's a good chance you haven't seen your wounds and their genuine brokenness mm-hmm. because inevitably mm-hmm. seeing your brokenness clearly leads to a real overwhelming sense of helplessness what can I do? I'm mm. lost I'm mm. stuck, there's mm. no hope mm.
0: and how beautiful to invite Christ there. Yes. I mean this can be one of the most intimate experiences of the Christian life, of anyone's life that inviting Christ into the woundedness inviting love the love of God. They're asking for his healing. That is just phenomenal. And yes, repentance is usually somehow connected to it. You know, for example, if you've been making all these agreements with self-hatred, you're gonna have a hard time experiencing the love of God. You do have to renounce self-hatred. You do. I mean, you have a part in this. But then to open the door Jesus now please come into this place yes. and heal that in me which is not sin but is just my wounds my brokenness in the story of my life come and bring your healing love here and in the same way just as you can't repent your way out of brokenness right in the same way you can't just ask the love of god to come into places that frankly you just need to repent of you know your part his part the enemy's part, right? That Ignoring, choosing not to face the spiritual strongholds and gang, last time we were trying to offer some kindness and perspective in why transformation is hard and does seem rather rare. You have to understand that your reluctance to deal with spiritual warfare is actually not you. The enemy always throws that at us, always. It's the fog of war. Of course he's going to kind of hit you with, oh, I don't want to pray about that stuff. Or he's going to hit you with fear and like jeebies and, ooh, this is kind of getting into a realm that I don't really want to deal with. And what if this really escalates? And, oh, I just don't know how I feel about that. Gang, do you realize none of that's you? Yeah. Or very little of it? Is you, I mean, that's just part of the warfare. He doesn't want you to resist. So, just offering some kindness from experience and perspective here, I understand your reluctance to deal with warfare as a category. Much of that is the enemy trying to keep you from dealing with warfare as a category. But just as repentance doesn't work for healing, so healing doesn't work against demons. You have to bring the work of Jesus Christ against the enemy. It usually involves breaking agreements first, Mm -hmm. the agreements that you've been making with shame, guilt, rage, lust. What is it? You know, you break meaningfully from the heart, breaking agreements with that. But then you also got to kick this stuff out, right? I mean, James 4, 7 says, submit therefore to God, Mm -hmm. resist the devil and he will flee. You have to resist if you want him to flee.
1: Right? Definitely. One of my thoughts along this line too, John, is when it comes to brokenness, we live in a, a time and a culture it's common that when someone is sharing some broken part, some past horrific or painful wounding experience that we limit our ministry to them to empathy and angst and
0: comfort.
1: Yes, Yes. when what's needed is a turning to God. And the wacky is what always scares us here. But to turn to God and ask for Christ right now to come in at the kitchen, out in the parking lot after lunch with a colleague, Jesus, come into this broken place Mm -hmm. right now Mm -hmm. and bring healing, Mm -hmm. bring life. Come now, Jesus, in a real turning to God. We can't fix, alter, rebuke, or um, repent of our brokenness. But if we don't turn to God, the insight and the recognition and owning that I'm a broken person is to no avail. Mm -hmm. There has to be a turning.
0: And Craig, what often happens is we do offer empathy, love, compassion, and
1: that's all good. That's
0: all good, gang. You offer that in bucket loads. That's wonderful stuff. But if you don't deal with the repentance that's needed mm-hmm. and the warfare that's there, mm-hmm. the person doesn't get free, right? And so really awkward moment. Mm-hmm. A couple months ago, we had a couple come in for a little bit of counseling with us. And we don't even know these people. It was friends of mutual friends. And that's kind of how it happened in this relational context. And But suddenly, we found ourselves in the conversation. And they had been pretty brutally betrayed by someone in their family and And that's what they were wrestling with. They were so aware of the wounding. They were very aware of the wounding. Mm -hmm. But what they weren't willing to deal with, or they weren't thinking about the enemy's role in this, and they weren't thinking about repentance. And it's super awkward because we're praying. And the very first thing Jesus says to me on their behalf is they need to forgive. Right now, today, right here, they need to forgive. Not later, not once they've worked through the brokenness. They need to forgive now. And I was very aware of why, because the lack of forgiveness was keeping them in the drama. Yes. It was keeping them in the pain, and it was also allowing the enemy to just hammer them. And so that's not what we usually offer in those moments. It's awkward to bring up a different category, you know. But um, before we could go to dealing with the wounding, which was very real, we had to deal with repentance, the unforgiveness, the sharing in the bitterness. And they were beautiful people and they chose to do that. And then having done that, then we were able to bring the work of Christ against the enemy who was here and the spirit of betrayal and the rage and the hatred that was just swirling around this family thing trying to get the whole thing to just completely blow up forever Having repented, we could pray against the enemy. Having prayed against the enemy, then, yes, then we could turn to kind of the sweet ministry of Jesus, come into this brokenness. Come and bring
1: your healing here. So, John, I mean, uh, where I'm going with this is in just my own life, what do I neglect or don't see either in my life or Mm -hmm. others' sin? stronghold brokenness, I find probably I'm better at seeing people sin, (laughs) which is convenient for my relational style, which is just give me a reason to back away and check out. But I'm probably also better at seeing my sin and kind of Mm -hmm. repeatedly beating myself up with repentance Mm -hmm. to the neglect of the warfare component and then the brokenness component. I'm just wondering, those who are listening... I wonder what they would say their lens is, is Mm -hmm. an understanding themselves and understanding others.
0: That's a great question. Pause. Listeners, where do you tend to go? Given just your personality Mm and kind of your heart and the way you operate, what do you tend to focus on, either in your own life or Mm -hmm. others? Which of the three, sin or brokenness or warfare? What's your bent? Mm-hmm. It's a really helpful question to ask because if we're honest, I think we'll see that we do tend to choose one over the others and tend not to want to deal with you know. There's just people to just go. Ooh, I just don't want to deal with sin. I don't want to bring it up. I don't want to talk about it. I ooh, I just I see it, but I just no way. Am I going? You know, mm-hmm. you go whoa whoa whoa. Well, then how is transformation going to take place? You know, in your own life or in others? Really helpful question, correct?
1: Yeah, and until we see that Jesus, by his example in teaching, is hitting all three sin, stronghold, and brokenness, we're probably not going to experience the transformation that we long for, either in ourselves or through us with others.
0: Mm-hmm. Guaranteed. In Free to Live, which is the paperback version now of the utter relief of holiness, There are a number of guided prayers and guided process through prayer. I love this book. This is a phenomenal book. The first part just talks about the beautiful character, goodness of Jesus and how it can be ours. And then the book talks about how God restores humanity through the work of Jesus Christ, like how the cross the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus, they are what God provided for the restoration of your humanity. Mm -hmm. I don't know that we've even looked at them in that way. Whoa, we worship Christ for his work, but I don't know that we've connected the dots of Jesus didn't need that. Jesus didn't need the cross. Jesus didn't need the resurrection. He didn't need the ascension. He was good with God before any of that went down, right? But we needed it and what God Provided in the cross, resurrection, and ascension of Christ is for your restoration. So book explores that. And then in the latter part of the book is the conversation we've been having about the interplay of sin, brokenness, and strongholds and how to pray through those things.
1: Transformation is available for everyone. There's far more available than most of us believe or accept or live as, and yet we anticipate the coming of the kingdom where it will fully and completely Mm. be done.
0: Mm. Yeah, you had one more thought on kindness. I think you should offer that here.
1: Well, I think the two errors, one, there is no transformation. Very little is available or accessible, or for some reason it was limited to other saints in other times. The other mistake is to think that it's all available and that we can have an experience where we are actually fully and completely perfected wholly here and now. And the beauty of the larger story is we're in act three, act four is yet to come. And the brokenness, the battles, the weak spots of my life will at some point be fully redeemed, restored, and I will be fully transformed. I look forward to that day, but not passively. It brings me hope, mm-hmm. but I'm not passive. I'm fighting, longing, praying, pursuing all that God has for me now, which is the humility to recognize this is the hors d'oeuvres, the main course comes later. Mm-hmm.
0: Hmm. Not cynicism, not resignation. Right. But there's a kindness in removing the expectation that you can be so whole and so free that you just get to cruise now. (sighs) Life's just a joy. And, ooh, I have friends who kind of cling to that theology. Listen, I understand why that's attractive. Believe me. Francis Schaeffer years ago said, if we demand all or nothing, we typically get the nothing every time. And he was even applying that to what he called substantive change. Substantive change is available. Praise God. It really is. Let's get this unrealistic expectation of life is just a one joyful experience of jesus after another let's just get that off the table okay there's heartbreak suffering battle you know we are in act three here at the end of the age but here at the end of the age substantive real freedom is available and i can look back in my life and say wow man as a teenager i had major rage issues and because I was in martial arts, that was fairly dangerous. I used to put my hand through doors and kick holes in walls and I was an angry young man. Yeah. But God, because of his love, healing, kindness, counseling, taking advantage of, you know, these categories over time, I'm just not that guy anymore. Praise Jesus. Yes. Thank you for that. I can point to significant areas in my life where real joyful, absolute freedom, relief has come and we want to offer that yeah. and we want to offer the hope of that. And just about everything we do at ransomed heart one way or another is really geared in that direction. We we can help you. We can show you the way to a greater freedom, yes. a holier life, a greater transformation and free to live is one of the ways we're offering that. The paperback version of the utter relief of holiness available now. But so is everything else we do, the podcast, the blogs, the conferences, our retreats. Come and drink deeply from this well, friends. We're here to help you find life. Mm -hmm. You've been listening to the Ransomed Heart Podcast, John Eldridge and Craig McConnell talking about transformation. It's available. It's available. If you haven't discovered our app yet, the Ransomed Heart app, super helpful, for one reason because all of these prayers are right there on the app and you can just access them immediately wherever you are you know in the airport in the restaurant praying with a friend at their house you can just pull up those prayers and then also lots and lots of resources on our website at ransomedheart.com come and join us